Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's hear for the band, huh? Using their talents. I'm so thankful for people with talent. Uh, because worship would be terrible if it was a one-man band up here. Uh, yes, but I, just beautiful, and I love it, and it's, it's good stuff. And uh, this uh, Christmas, we have been talking about lights. And Christmas and lights, they tend to go together, right? Peanut butter and jelly, peas and carrots, right? They, they just go together. Christmas and lights. Whenever you think of Christmas, you think of all the twinkly lights on your gutters or the twinkly lights on your trees or the flickering lights of candles and all of the lights that we associate with Christmas because Christmas and lights, they go together. And this Christmas season, we've been talking about the the symbolism and the imagery of light uh, because it ties so well to the Christmas story. Think of the Christmas story that we see in the Gospels and how often we saw light in, the, in that classic story, right? Even story time with Pastor Sean. You saw light, right? What was the light that you saw? The uh, shepherds are out in the dark field and then boom, right? The angels show up and a bright light covers the sky and just shines in the sky. There is a moment of light right there with the shepherds or when Mary is visited by an angel and boom, an angel shows up, right? The bright light of the angel's appearance and he's like, don't be afraid. And, and I would be a little spooked <laughs> if I saw an angel in my house show up and then tell me I was going to have the Savior of the world be born out of me uh, based on the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, I would be a, little, uh, be a little afraid, let's be honest, right? Can we just be real? Right? But that moment is filled with light. Or the wise men, they're following what? The GPS? No, they're following a star, a bright light. There's, there's moments of light throughout the entire Christmas story. And even after Jesus is born... We see him dedicated in the temple, and this guy Simeon is holding baby Jesus, and he begins to prophesy and speak something prophetic over his future, and he says and describes Jesus as a light of revelation, meaning he would be a light of truth, a light of, uh, of, of clarity for the generations to come. Christmas and light go together because Christmas is all about Jesus, and Jesus is the light of the world. We sang a, a newer song this, this, uh, this morning about the light of the world, and Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. As we talk about light, we have to see that association because that was something that Jesus uses as an image for us to see. This is a part of his identity. This is a part of his character. This is a part of who he is, right, is the light of the world. And we see this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, The scripture will be up on the screen here in just a second. And as we read it, I want you to picture that moment when Jesus says this to the crowd. They're in the temple court. And there's they're in the part of the temple where anybody could have been there. The male, female, rich, poor, they're they're all there. And there's in the temple, there's just the surrounding of these lanterns and lamps lit up in that space, these large bowls of oil that were lighting and on fire and all of this is going on. And then Jesus is standing there in the midst of all of this light and ambiance, kind of like what I'm in, right? All of this light that's surrounding me. And Jesus is in the temple court. And this is what he says. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. 
And Jesus is speaking to this crowd and saying, I am the light. And that imagery of light is one of clarity, speaking to this idea of his divinity, of his authority, of his identity, his purity. All of it is tied up in the symbolism of his light, right? And that light that leads us through darkness. And, and this imagery that he's using of light, it makes me think of, as I read this, I think of a lighthouse. A lighthouse on a stormy night along the cliffside. I've never been in a lighthouse. Anybody been in a lighthouse? I've never been in a lighthouse, but I've seen them on TV, so I guess that counts. But I picture this lighthouse, and, and as Jesus is saying this, I just picture this image of a lighthouse on a dark, stormy night being a sign of what? Of warning to ships to not crash into the cliffs. A sign of hope for a, a ship that's been navigating through the storm and through the clouds and through the darkness, saying, this is land. You've been searching for land? Well, you see that light of the lighthouse? It gives you hope. It gives you excitement. It gives you something to cling to, right? It's a, it's a beacon of hope in that same way, but it gives guidance too, and it gives warning. And that's what Jesus is when he says, I am the light of the world. He is a guide. He is a warning. He is a, he is a sign of hope to us as well because we walk in darkness. And I want you to think for a moment about the crowd listening to Jesus say that as he's surrounded by all that light and he's hearing, or they're hearing him say this, and he says, I am a light in the darkness. And think about the darkness that they would have associated with in that time. Because he wasn't talking about electricity because they didn't have electricity, right? And so he's, they're thinking about the, the imagery of darkness because even in ancient times, they still had the same imagery we do and the symbolism of light and dark. Darkness was associated with pain and suffering and separation and loneliness and depression and sin and evil. And light was associated with good and righteousness and divinity and, 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 and holiness, right? Good and evil, light and dark. All of that imagery that we still see in comic books and movies today was, was relevant and prevalent there in ancient times as well. So you have this audience listening to Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. And they're thinking about the darkness that they're walking in. And they're not thinking about a literal darkness. They're thinking, metaphorically speaking, below the surface. What is the darkness that they walk in, right? And similar to us today, but I think also relevant to them 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this, that that darkness could be a sin, and brokenness, and, and, and addiction, and selfishness that they live in. Because you think about when we're living in sin, when we're living in brokenness, when we're living in selfishness, we become shrouded in this cloud of darkness that seems to surround us. But Jesus wants to illuminate forgiveness, and hope, and a fresh start in the midst of all that darkness that we become clouded in. Or maybe it wasn't sin that they were caught up into. Think about the crowd sitting there in the, in the temple. And maybe it's not sin and addiction and all of these things of greed and materialism that they're caught up into or, or whatever. But it's more of a, a loneliness. Maybe they hear Jesus say that and they think of the darkness that they're in as more of a relational brokenness. A severing of relationship. Conflict and pain and marginalization and ostracization. And, and feeling alone in that moment when he says, you walk in darkness. The darkness that they feel is not associated with sin and bad habits that they know they need to stop, but rather, I feel relationally in the dark. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and if you would follow me, you will find acceptance and unity, and you will find a place to belong in the family of God. Is the church perfect? No, absolutely not. We're full of humans, so we're not perfect people. 
But Jesus offers a light that says, I will illuminate the darkness you live in and bring a place for you to be a part, to be accepted, to belong. Or maybe the darkness that people were sitting in in that, in that setting and in that crowd, and, and it could be similar to us today, is, is not a relational darkness or a loneliness, and it's not a sin darkness that we're in, but rather maybe more of a, a mental darkness. We're feeling confused. You ever feel stuck in this confusion? You're just wrestling with life's questions and pondering the deep things of life, or you've got questions and you're looking for answers, and you kind of feel in this mental block. You feel stuck. You feel in the dark in that way, or maybe you're just stuck under a delusion and a way of thinking about life and a worldview and a, and a perspective on how to live life, and we just get clouded by this darkness, and it's all mental. It's all in our head. It's all the story we're telling ourselves, as Brene Brown would always say. Maybe there's lies that people had gotten caught up into. You're this, and they just believed it, and what it did is it created a darkness of lies that just built this identity of who they were. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world that wants to break through that darkness and illuminate truth. This is how to live your life. This is who you are. This is what you're all about. This is how truly loved you are. That's the light that breaks through that darkness. Whether it's through our sin or our relationship stuff or our mental blocks that we're going through, Jesus came to open our eyes so that we could see the light. And we could live in the light. We could be the light. And so this Christmas, as we talk about Jesus being the light, and we've got all these candles and lights and all of this stuff, I want us to have two quick responses, or I want to talk quickly about two responses this Christmas season. How do we respond to the light? Jesus is the light of the world. So what? I'm not being irreverent, but I'm thinking what everybody would be thinking. What do you want me to do with that truth, Sean? One is, I would say one way we can respond is we need to seek the light. To seek. To chase after pursue, to go after the light, right? You know that Jesus is the light of the world. Stop living in the shadows. Stop living in that darkness. Go pursue the light intentionally. When the shepherds are in the dark fields and the angels show up and there's a bright light and then they tell them there's more light for you in a manger in Bethlehem, what do they do? They go back to the fields and just hang out? No. They seek the light. They chase after it. They leave where they're at and intentionally go to the manger to go find and be with Jesus, right? They seek after Jesus. The wise men see the star in the sky, and what do they do? They don't just write it in their dream journal. They'll just post it on Instagram like, hey, cool star today. Click, hashtag awesome sauce. What did they do? They saw the star, and they followed the star. They seek after the light. This Christmas season, we understand or we hear the truth that Jesus is the light of the world. Are we seeking after that light? Are we taking intentional steps to spend quality time with the Savior of the world who wants to spend quality time with you? Maybe it's through prayer and just having a conversation with Jesus. Or it's through reading scripture. Maybe you don't read your Bible much or at all. But it's about opening it up and just taking time to read a couple of verses in the Gospels about Jesus and just spend time with Jesus. Seek after him though. It's not gonna happen through osmosis. It's not gonna happen through accident. It's not gonna happen because we're just passively sitting by saying like, well, he's the light of the world and if he really loves me, then he'll shine a light on me. Seek after that light. Maybe it's through journaling and just writing out your thoughts because maybe you're not a verbal processor. Maybe you're a writing processor and you just wanna write, write, write. I'll tell you, sometimes when I'm journaling and writing, even just pen and paper, it's old school, it's vintage, it's cool. 
I get my journal out and I start writing and writing and writing and pretty soon I'm just so honest on the page I start to look back and read it and I'm like, whoa, that's Sean on the page. And I know I can picture Jesus just sitting right next to me in my living room as I'm journaling. And then we begin just having a conversation. I'm just praying. I'm just journaling. Just reading. Maybe it's finding silence and solitude and finding some quiet, but you're intentionally going to find quiet this holiday season to say, I need to go be with Jesus. I need to go spend that quality time with him. And I say seek the light, not seek a light. Notice that Jesus didn't say, I am a light of the world, one of many, that all lights lead to the same path. No, he said he is the light. And so I think it is, it is important for us to see that, that he is the only light, the one true light. Not a light, not one of many lights. He is the light. And yet in life, how many of us are chasing after different lights? Different things, different pursuits. We're looking for clarity. We're looking for joy. We're looking for hope. We're looking for peace. We're looking for love. And so we're going to look at various lights to find those things. We don't look to the light. We don't look to Jesus. We look to other lights, right? And we settle for other different lights, more temporary lights, flashes of light, right? More like strobe lights. You ever seen a strobe light? Remember? Remember back in the day? Anybody? Anybody in their days going in the, in the club? I grew up at SeaTac. I never went to a club. But I grew up in a youth group, and my youth pastor was cool. He bought us a strobe light. You know what I did with a strobe light? We turned it on, and just boom, 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 boom. And we just thought it was the coolest place in town, right? It was just awesome. Why? Because we had a strobe light. It was just flashing. The one thing he told us not to do, don't look directly at the strobe light, right? Because what we would want to do as teenagers is boom, 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 boom. And you just hit with these flashes of light, and it just goes, right? And then you get, like, he was afraid of seizures. And, like, don't do that, Sean. But I think sometimes in life we're chasing after quick flashes of light. Quick flashes of hope, quick flashes of joy. They're like the strobe lights of life. It's not the light, it's just a strobe light. It's a quick hit. Ooh, I watched a new show on Netflix. It was great. Boom, strobe light, right? Ooh, I, I tried a new restaurant in town. Boom, so good. You gotta try it too, right? Quick hit. Quick hit of joy, quick hit of peace, quick hit of fun, quick hit of diversion. It's like a strobe light for your soul and for your mind. Anybody relate to those things? You win a board game, boom. You win a big basketball game or something like that. You play sports and, and you win, right? And boom, quick hit. But it fades very quickly as well. You finish a project at home. You want to show it off. You take a picture. You post about it. Look, hashtag awesome sauce. Again, more awesome sauce. Because I finished my project. How many of you feel good when you finish a project that's been on your honeydew list for a long time, right? Boom, that's a strobe light hit. I'm just like, yeah, I did it. I'm done. Look at me. But strobe lights will cause us a lot of disorientation. And they won't satisfy and they aren't satisfactory for guiding and leading and directing and, and, and per creating a presence that you want to be in for a long period of time. Nobody wants to sit under a strobe light for a long period of time. And yet we keep chasing after those quick hits, those quick flashes, the quick moments. And maybe we're not chasing strobe lights, but maybe we're also... Maybe some of us are like, ah, I don't chase those quick things, but I, I chase things that are good, but they fade over time. So they're not strobe lights. Can I give you another illustration? They're incandescent light bulbs. 
Look at those light bulbs that all of a sudden burn out. You can hear them rattling, right? Remember those bulbs back in the day? Oh, man, I haven't bought one of those in a while. But I remember having incandescent bulbs, and they would burn out. You do that little trick, and you shake it, and you hear it rattling. Okay, got to junk that and put a new one in there and, and, and keep replacing. And then you found LED bulbs. Remember when the day you found out LED bulbs would last for like a 1,000 years? Like the earth is going to become decrepit, but my light bulbs in the chandelier are going to keep shining bright. That was a joke. Okay, relax. It's not a statement about global warming. Just relax. But I wonder if some of us in life were chasing a light and it's not a strobe light, it's more of an incandescent bulb. It's gonna create the presence we're looking for for a while. It's gonna create the warmth and the look that we're, we're chasing after, but it's temporary. It's going to fade, it's going to burn out. Some of us this year, we might've had some light bulbs go really well. Some incandescent bulbs that we chased after came to pass, right? You got a promotion, you graduated, you got married, you had a kid, you moved, you got a new home, you went on vacation. None of these things are bad, but, but when we build our life around it, we're building our lives around things that will eventually fade. People will move. People will leave us. People will pass away. Jobs will be lost. The excitement and joy that we felt initially and for a long period of time will eventually change and fade. And I don't mean to sound sad, but what it means to me and what it shows me is that there are things in life that we're chasing that are not eternal and not forever. And Jesus says, he is the light of the world. Come and follow the light. And this year for me, I realized how much I had been chasing strobe lights and incandescent lights and affirmation and validation and highlights and highlights and highlights and highlights, but those highlights get forgotten. Seasons change, people leave, things change. And those highlights, for me this year at different times, became low lights. Anybody ever have some low lights this year? Some moments didn't go according to plan and didn't turn out like you thought. And my journey over 2023 20, has been one of rediscovering Jesus as the true light of my life. One that will not fade, one that doesn't need an upgrade, one that will not bail on me when it gets difficult. But Jesus, when he says he is the light of the world, means he will always be there. He is faithful. He is eternal. He is going to show up. He is going to continue to love you. And I rediscovered that light. I rediscovered Jesus in a new way this year choosing to seek after Jesus and not get preoccupied with the other lights in my life and, and overwhelmed by the low lights. Instead, I chose to seek the light of Jesus and put him at the center of my life. The other response that we can have to the light is to simply sit in the light. We need to seek the light, but we also need to sit in the light. What do the shepherds do after they get to the manger? They sit, they stay. What do the wise men do when they show up at Mary and Joseph's house to go be with baby Jesus or little child Jesus because some time has passed? What do they do after they show up? They sit and they stay. It says that they got on their knees and they worshiped him as the king. They offered their gifts. They didn't just drop off the gold, myrrh, and frankincense like an Amazon package, a ding, gone, see you later, guys. 
They sat and stayed a while. They were with him. They stayed in the presence of Jesus. Mary and Joseph sit and they stay in the presence of Jesus. It says that Mary stored these things up in her heart. So years later when Luke is writing his gospel, who do you think is telling him all about these Christmas moments that we read 2,000 years later? Mary, who sat there and treasured these moments, stored them up because she sat in the light. She sat in the presence of Jesus. How many of us this Christmas just need to stop and be with Jesus? There's an intentionality of seeking the light, but then once you, once you do that, you have to sit and stay a while to slow down enough to actually hear what Jesus wants to say, to listen and allow your mind and your heart and your everything to settle down long enough. I had to do that this year and just get away from things, turn off my phone, get away from distractions. Uh, with the blessing of my wife, get away from my family for a couple nights, you know, and just go be with Jesus. And in that, rediscovering a simple truth. But it took me time to actually hear it. It took me time to actually believe it and feel it. And the simple truth that I rediscovered this year is that, Sean, you are loved. And if you've been with us for any amount of weeks this year, you've heard me just reiterate this constantly, is that you are loved. As we sit in the light, we rediscover how much Jesus loves you. It's been a part of my journey rediscovering that truth because I was, I was trying to chase after love and affirmation and validation from other people and other things and, and myself and all of these things. And, and it stressed and overwhelmed and, argh! and then slowing down, seeking the light, sitting in the light long enough to slow things down, I was able to rediscover Jesus loves me, and there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. That Jesus loves each person in here, and they don't have to do anything extra to make him love you more. There's, isn't that amazing? There's nothing you can do tomorrow to make Jesus love you more. There's nothing you can do tomorrow. He just loves you so much, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to sit with you. He wants to reiterate that love to you, that he came to earth because he loves you. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So Jesus' arrival, the whole Christmas season is a celebration of God's love for humanity. Jesus died on the cross and defeated death so that we could be forgiven of our sin. Why? Because he loves you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you can earn it. But because he loves you. Why did Jesus do miracles? Because he loved people. Why did Jesus teach people and give instruction? Because he loved them and he cared about them. Why does he forgive us? I'll give you one hint. It's because he loved you, right? He loves you. Why does Jesus stay? Why does Jesus stay and remain faithful? It's because he loves you. Other people will bail. Other people will give up on you. But Jesus remains faithful. Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do to earn more of it. He loves you that much. And I had to sit and sit in the light to hear that. And it's been the thing that I've just, I've wanted to just tell people all year. Not that Sean is loved, but the same love that I know God has for me, he has for you. Jesus loves you that much. And I don't believe this holiday season Jesus came 
to earth for you to be exhausted. I don't think Christmas is about you and I getting tired for Jesus, right? That by January 2nd, you, you guys are all in your prayer time, and you're like, Jesus, happy birthday. I'm on empty, man. Because I went to this family thing, and I went to that family thing, and this church thing, and this church thing, and this thing, and this thing, and this thing, and now Christmas is over, and happy birthday, Jesus. I'm tired. I don't think that's what God had drawn up. I think God's celebration of his son's birth is meant to be one that slows us down and causes us to be refreshed and recharged and one that we go into a new year, man, ready and knowing that you and I are loved. You are loved. And as you sit in the light, my prayer is that that would illuminate your Christmas in a new way, knowing that you are loved by Jesus. And so... On the surface, this Christmas season may look and feel a little bit different. It may feel different than previous Christmases. It may look different than what you expected. As you were drawn up Christmas this year, back in the summer and in the fall, is this what you expected? Maybe, maybe not. As you think about your Christmas plans and your parties and your engagements with family and things like that and how they've gone, maybe it's not going to plan. Maybe it doesn't feel the same. But this Christmas, can we remember that Jesus is king? That Jesus is here. That Jesus loves you. And Jesus is the light of the world. And he will forever be the light of the world that won't go out. And we can respond to that by just sitting in his presence. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.